Warning, I told Noe he couldn't cuss in the customs line, so he's been saving up. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, Stamps.com, and Hymns. And by the fact that all the things we're qualified to do are embarrassing answers to what do you do for a living once you get out of your 20s. Unlike podcasting? Exactly. And now, (laughs) The Scathing Atheist. I'm Jody Delaney from Southeastern Virginia, home of the 700 Club. And much to old P. Robe's chagrin, I can assure you that we did, in fact, evolve from pansexual, polyamorous, gender-fluid monkey people. Thursday. It's October 18th. And it's National Chocolate Cupcake Day. If I catch you with vanilla, so help me God. Burned at the stake. I'm <laughs> no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from Kendall Vecchio's, New Jersey, <laughs> Cincinnati Swing State, <laughs> Good Husband, Georgia, this is The Skating Atheist. On this week's episode, Quebec's Prime Minister will insist he's just hiding his treasure underneath that sideways X. <laughs> Gwyneth Baltrow expresses pride in Goop's truthiness score of 10% maybe not lying. <laughs> and Lee Strobel had to send one layer deeper into insanity. But first, the diatribe. Right outside of my hotel in Edinburgh, there was a monument marking the spot where the town Gallows used to be. It's called the Covenanters Memorial, and encircling it are the words, many martyrs and covenanters died for the Protestant faith on this spot. And my first thought, coming as I do from America, is that that memorial seemed oddly exclusionary, right? I mean, this is just the spot of the gallows, not the special Protestant-only gallows. Plenty of people died there for all kinds of cruel shit that had nothing to do with Lutheranism. You know, there's no marker there for people that died for their lack of faith or their premarital sex or their theft of a loaf of bread. But after contemplating it for a minute, I realized that that was probably an overly American reaction. Now, first of all, in all fairness to Scotland, it's not like there's a well-funded bread-stealing union out there proposing and paying for monuments. And it's not like memorializing the soldiers that died in World War II is some kind of insult to the people that died of lung disease in the early 40s. But more importantly, it's not like Scotland is America. See, as an American, I have this weird relationship with history. And I guess I can only really speak for myself, but I literally feel like pre-American history is a different kind of thing. I I don't know if I can explain it exactly, but I feel like my history only goes back 411 years and really only 242. And all that other stuff is somebody else's history that I'm only allowed to borrow. As I'm walking around Edinburgh, I keep seeing these plaques that say like, you know, 700 years ago, such and such a king took a piss in this very spot. And I, I keep wandering through these graveyards where you're surprised if you see anybody who died in the century before last even. And when you're an American, you don't see shit like that. Hell, most of us never even see it for a weekend in Edinburgh. More than two-thirds of Americans have never left the North American continent. And according to one survey, I found some 11% never leave the state they're born in. Now, to be clear, obviously the American continent has shit going on in it 700 years ago and 1,000 years ago and 10,000 and 20,000 years ago. We just don't know what it was. 
right? Some powerful American king may very well have pissed on precisely the spot I'm sitting right now, but we don't have a written history of this area. And disturbingly, few of us can trace our heritage to that history other than to say we killed it anyway. So we have this profound disconnect that very few other parts of the world are afflicted with. And if this is more than some idiosyncratic tendency that I personally have, if this is like a a generally American trait, it has real consequences on how we behave culturally and politically, right? I mean, we think of all the problems of history as shit that happened somewhere else to some other kind of people, right? In the minds of a lot of Americans, fascism never happened here, not because we have a small historical sample size, but because America has some magical immunity to it. And this brings us back around to that monument outside my hotel in Scotland and why my first reaction was so misguided. See, Scotland has actually had religious wars. They've actually had a full-blown theocracy. And as a result of that combination, they've actually had a period dubbed the killing time. And plaques like that one are an effort to inoculate the future. They're like a cultural antibody honed to a particular cultural disease. And here in America, we are disturbingly unvaccinated. See, I feel like people in Scotland or almost anywhere else in the world would be better suited to our present circumstances. We've got this burgeoning theocracy popping up around us and consolidating power for generations to come. And most Americans can't see the warning signs or more accurately can't see that those are warning signs. They see a theocracy on the horizon and don't know enough to swerve out of its way. Like they see their political goals, right? Banning abortion, dehumanizing gay and trans people, choking off immigration. And and they see theocracy as an expedient way to get there. And because they don't have any cultural memory of the killing time, they don't see how that's going to blow up in their faces. You know, the point is that nobody wins when the wall of separation comes crashing down. The religious right will win some victories early on, but history makes it very clear where this kind of thing goes. Even if we set aside the misogynistic and bigoted goals that motivate the current fledgling theocracy in America and substitute in noble ones, the diagnosis would be the same. Just look at the Iranian revolution in 79. A lot of the motives behind that were valid as all fuck. And since the religious authorities were the only ones promoting those goals, a lot of moderately religious people gave over power to them, trusting them to take care of their problems with the Shah's rule. And they did that more or less or some of it or started to try to do some of it. But along the way, they also set about their actual goals, their internal goals as a religion, which are, of course, to put their own institution at the forefront of power. And before you know it, people are being caned for premarital sex and women can't go to football games. Probably not what those revolutionary students were storming embassies over is what I'm saying. And it's not like examples are hard to find here. History is replete with object lessons on the dangers of theocracy and the ways it manifests. But if you fail to heed history and you act like it's somebody else's story, you don't know to act when the wall starts to crumble. And when I look around America in 2018, I see a country determined to learn that lesson the hard way. They're talking about your Jesus. Interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are international men of mystery, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to go back to the 110 volt lifestyle? <sighs> I will miss boiling water in under eight seconds, but I will not miss the feeling that I'm charging my cell phone with the voltage used to raise Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so knowledge is knowing that Frankenstein is not the monster. But wisdom is knowing that book is boring and was only written to get out of fucking Lord Byron. It's true. Okay. And with the founding document of the science fiction genre properly disparaged, I guess we can take a quick break from a word from this week's first sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Get a club foot. 
Well, hello. I'm Melania Trump. And I'm Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And we're here to promote our new podcast, Sarah and Melania's Happy Fun Time Podcast. Oh, please stop, guys. I got so many emails from people. And we're also here to remind you to stay smart. And you know what's not smart? Reminding the electorate that they don't have to serve you food or allow you to have that veil of normalcy while you do terrible things. To know what else is not smart? Saying you're the most bullied person in the world right after you wear a shirt that says, I don't care to visit children your husband stole. But you know what is smart? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Also, don't lecture people on family values when your brother set a dog on fire. Oh, that's also, a good one. Yeah, not smart. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, we had to come back to America. Despite <sighs> the fact that we weren't here. And that was depressing. A couple weeks in socialism, followed up by a return flight to the kleptocratic oligarchy run by people who would ask me if those two words were a type of bird. Okay. <laughs> to be fair, I asked if it was possible to eat that kind of bird. Right, but so, you're yeah, not in charge. So, yeah, in order to <laughs> ease our rebound pain, I thought I'd open up on a little bit of good news this week. Uh, according to a recent survey by the Atlantic and the Public Religion Research Institute, secular voters are among the most enthusiastic demographics polled when it comes to voting in the midterms. According to their press release, quote, religiously unaffiliated voters seem most excited about supporting or donating to causes, going to rallies, and expressing opinions online, among other activities, end quote. Right. Um, other activities like, for example, uh, naming a senator from memory. Or <laughs> not helping sexual predators. Or, yeah, there's that. Uh, reading one entire book with no pictures. There's a lot of things we like to do. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope one of them's a vote. And, and, and look, I know we harp on that a lot. And I guess too much might even be a fair descriptor. But despite being 25% of the population, the nuns account for something like 15% of the electorate. Even when the guy on one side is promising a theocracy and literally says he's going to make people say Merry Christmas again. Right? <laughs> But uh, just for the record, uh, Donald, if you're listening, and we I will you happily say nothing but Merry Christmas if you show me a DNA test that doesn't come back as a Big Mac with a Hitler mustache. If you can do that, <laughs> whatever you want. That was a weird backstory to give the Hamburglar. I'm going to say that but, right now. But in retrospect, it was the only one yeah. to give the Hamburglar. True. And in Turdemic news tonight. City Councilman Eric Barber celebrated the appointment of beer lover and winner of 2018's reddest face, Brett Kavanaugh, to the Supreme <laughs> Court by taking to Facebook and saying, quote, better get your coat hangers ready, liberals, end yeah. quote. And by the way, that's 
your coat hangers apostrophe <laughs> R-E. Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> I honestly am not sure if I'm more offended by the coat hanger thing itself or by the fact that an elected official doesn't know the goddamn difference between your and your. <laughs> or that Eli spelled it right wrong in the quote. He switched it from wrong to right wrong. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was just Noah going through my notes. Yeah, again. it was. <laughs> but, but it does get worse. See, after that, Barber proceeded to get himself sued for calling a local psychologist and LGBTQ advocate a pedophile for defending gender non-normative kids. Yeah, wow. but given what we know of his intelligence, he probably thought that he'd be allowed to sue Elon Musk if he said that sure or something. Two degrees. It's like <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Right. So Barber, who, despite looking like he's going to get you like an awesome deal on a used SUV, <laughs> just you wait, uh, left the Democratic Party three years ago. And this is the real reason, because his city council stopped praying before meetings. Yep. And he's been, you know acting like the hero in a Christian movie ever since. <laughs> By which I mean committing crimes. He's been committing yeah, a no, lot right. of crimes. <laughs> right. And, and and not the cool Guy Ritchie character crimes either. The boring, no. lame <laughs> crimes. No. It uh, turns out about. that when he is not lecturing other people on morality, he's getting arrested for disorderly conduct, possession, a DUI, another DUI. And, <laughs> and my favorite in 1999, breaking and entering. Really? Yeah. So, not sure when this movie is coming out, but uh, my question is, who's going to play him? K-Sorbs or David A.R. White? <laughs> I think he needs to get beat up by Jason Statham either way. I like the character. Oh, <laughs> just in real life. Yeah. I'm just in, no, not yeah, for a movie. Just in real life. <laughs> Jason, if you're listening, I know you are. <laughs> get your wrenches out. Let's do this. <laughs> And in miscarriage of justice news, in addition to Brett Kavanaugh's wonderful job creation in the uh, coat hanger sector, we also <laughs> learned about two other very important results of his confirmation to the Supreme Court. One involves a magical attack by radical liberal airbenders and waterbenders, and the other involves an aborted fetus dance party. <laughs> and uh, to answer your question, yes, you should be picturing all that stuff together as part of the greatest movie trailer ever made. Yes. <laughs> all right. O official company proposal to cha change the term platinum night at our live shows to aborted fetus dance party. Uh, two votes. <laughs> two Already votes. did it. Especially all on right. signage. <laughs> so uh, we're going to start with the alt-left elemental warlocks thing. And this one came to us from everyone's favorite mustache mullet combo that grew a body around it, Mark Taylor. So uh, Taylor finished up his shift as a hockey-themed male prostitute last week and <laughs> sent out the following tweet. Quote, Does anyone else think it's strange that Justice K is sworn in and we have a major hurricane inbound? What? D's scared? DS scared? I think he's saying Democrats scared? Yeah. They should be. Um, should we, though? Like, should we? I mean, apparently we have Storm from the X-Men on our team. So right, yeah. I'm feeling pretty bold. Whatever. <laughs> Continuing. Retaliation? Absolutely. We will not be intimidated. Warriors arise. Oh, time what? to go to work. You know what to do. Do they? I, I feel like they don't. I feel like they don't know I what don't. to do. Um, and that is followed by dot, 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 dash, end quote. And um, that's 
ST and Morse code at the end. So you know what to do. End quote. I, I would love to know what message he thinks he just sent to Christians, right? Like, are they, are they supposed to create a southbound typhoon to spin in the other way to take on Michael? Oh, hurricane fight. Yes. Yeah. So apparently we have Storm on the payroll, but she only does spite hurricanes and yeah. only after the fact. It's a weird expenditure. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to the second big result from the Kavanaugh confirmation. And uh, the only way to up the ante on a story about a weather-manipulating mutant and a Christian firefighter prophet is to follow it up with an all-in-one weather-manipulating mutant Christian prophet and her <laughs> oh. aborted fetus party. And that yes. means, as you all well know, Cat Kerr. Cat Kerr. Damn it. Ah, oh, I knew <clears throat> it. Okay. I knew it. I <laughs> so uh, you remember Cat Kerr, perhaps, from cutting up bars into a thousand pieces and then <laughs> throwing those millibars at Hurricane Florence in order to dissipate yep. the storm. You may also remember her from the red light district of your hentai-themed retirement community. Yes, well, I do. Yes, you should. Well, during a recent sermon, she explained how God picked Brett Kavanaugh to reverse Roe v. Wade. And she also added, quote, God kept showing me letting me see all of these millions of babies who were aborted that are in heaven. They sang and celebrated. They had a party in heaven. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, that's a good image. Little fetus spinning poi on the middle of a dance floor. Right. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you look a little closer and they're just smaller fetuses with really long umbilical cords. But, <laughs> but for what it's worth, though, there, there is a secular equivalent anytime a hurricane hits a Planned Parenthood clinic hard enough. So this isn't something that just the Christians <laughs> right. have. Don't need religion. All right. Well, just one more quick note before we wrap it up. If anyone out there is good with animation, we're hoping to make our own movie about this. So please send us your best clip of, uh, you know, like a, a used condom and a used feminine hygiene product singing and dancing together. Uh, the ideal soundtrack would be something like Baby Come Back. But feel free to get creative or whatever, whatever yeah, you come up with. Don't micromanage, Heath. Let them, let them do it. Use Baby Come Back. Oh, okay. And in lowercase t news tonight, you know... As Noah and Lucinda traipsed through the misty dales of Edinburgh last week, Heath, my wife, and I nope. were in French wine country, which is where our next story takes place. Uh, nope. Uh, next story takes place in Quebec. Close enough, Heath. Close enough. Nope. Okay. Anyway, Francois Legal. Absolutely not. No. Nope. Will soon be Quebec's premier. According Stop to Wikipedia, the premier of Quebec is like nope. being governor if nobody cared about your state. <laughs> so. It's like being the CEO of a podcasting company. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so far, the changes he's proposing seem, I want to say confusing. I'm going to go with confusing. Right. So yeah. on the one hand, he's promising to stop government workers from wearing religious paraphernalia on the job. And depending on what that job is, that's a really, really good policy. The problem is a lot of time ideas like that are just, you know, barely concealed bigotry against religions that wear magic hats, which is the not Christian ones. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating when the bigots get one right by accident, you know? <laughs> like eugenics, but they fuck it up and they make it all about white people and it ruins the whole right. field and it's awesome and now it's uh, ruined. So if this policy is implemented fairly, it wouldn't be a problem. In fact, probably be a good idea. However, 
That uh, doesn't look like it's going to be the case because this week, Legoulet... Still no. No. Okay. Just to try it, it again. In English. ...announced that the giant crucifix in the Quebec National Assembly can stay because it's not a religious symbol. Nope. Sure is. Well, to be fair, living in Quebec is a lot like being nailed to a cross with thorns wrapped around your face. So it's like, you know, it'd be a good cultural identifier too. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. So according to Legoland... That- that's actually closer. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay. So the two, uh, I'm going to call them perpendicular lines, are a, <laughs> quote, historical symbol, not a religious one, even though it represents the Christian values of the province's two colonial ancestors, end quote. Not adding, and super does not represent the values of the indigenous people they murdered the fuck out of. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a T, as in teepee. We're being <laughs> reasonable. Anyway, as you can imagine, the usual band of grumps have called this, you know, barely concealed religious preference, which casts his actions to remove religious headgear in the light of bigotry against non-Christians. But luckily for us, uh, he had a second press conference to clear everything up. Morgan, cue the audio. Hello, everyone. It is me, Francois Lagoon. Uh, apparently there were some questions about my statements last week, but first, uh, I brought wine. Woo, wine. There's, this yeah. guy gets it. Yeah. Uh, I get it. Mr. LaCroix, first, nobody listens to that show, so nobody gets that joke. Secondly, how do you respond to critics who call your defense of religious symbology as historical, barely concealed theocracy? Right. So let me explain. I probably should have. Uh, these two... Um, intersecting lines we have here in our National Assembly, they are for a construction project that uh, we have not gotten yeah. around to. Uh, we're going to knock down this wall. Uh, when we I, do, this is where we're going to start. So, great. Uh, if there are no more questions, I have oh, one. Oh, there are I thought- so, so many more. I, I, I also was wondering why you painted no Jews allowed on the wall underneath it. Oh, uh, this. Um, well, I was painting the wall, and that that is just a pattern of where I started to paint. You want us to believe that you started painting the wall, and your brush strokes just happened to spell out no Jews allowed? Yes, it happens all the time. Now, who wants some wine? Yeah, wine. Woo. This guy. This guy. And with those French Canadians put firmly in their place, we'll pause for a quick word from our second sponsor this week, Stamps.com. Look, look, look. Melania Staff. Melania Staff is my favorite Hey, Melania. What, what's the matter? Joe. Hi, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Hey. You look great, baby. I, uh, I do not. Um, somehow I'm aging inwards. I wish you wouldn't lie. Yeah. You look like one of those fast motion videos of them rotting a peach. Uh, yeah, accurate. Anyway, um, what's the matter? Uh, it's all the merch we need to send out to the patrons of Sarah and Melania's Happy Fun Time podcast. Not a real thing. We'll never. We got Glantage t shirts mm-hmm. to send no. out, Melania and Sarah talking plushies, Not and right. of course, all these bumper stickers. I barely mm-hmm. sleep as it is, guys. Okay, well, why don't you try stamps.com, Melania? Stamps.com? What's stamps.com? Oh, with Stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. 
So like when I go to the mailbox at two in the morning and see Mike Pence furiously stuffing an op-ed into the slot. That's right. You could be mailing stuff too. Just click, print, mail, and you're done. It could not be easier. The Scathing Atheist uses it to send out all their merch and Patreon rewards. And with our new podcast, there'll be even more of that soon. No, there won't. I will literally die, though. Okay, Sarah. So how do I try it? Well, right now, you can use Scathing for this special offer, which includes up to $55 free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in scathing. That's stamps.com. Enter scathing. So like one hour twice a week. Doing an opening arguments thing. I like it. No. Right. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate race. It is a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. So here I am, whisked back away from the socialist relative paradise of Europe, or ex-Europe, back to the lovely land of Georgia, which has apparently become the vote suppression capital of America in my absence. See, a significant portion of Georgia is terrified at the thought of earning the distinction of being the first state in the union to elect an African-American woman as their governor. But a slightly larger portion is excited as all hell about that. And when you can't convince the majority... The white Christian in Georgia's philosophy has always been that you suppress the voices that disagree with you. And that's not exactly exclusive to Georgia. Hell, religion has been perfecting this trick with women since prehistoric times. Let's face it, if the women all voted together, we could elect whoever the hell we want. So stifling our voices has always been a goal of Christianity. And it's not always as direct as it is when you're a future Supreme Court justice at a high school party. Take, for example, a recent proclamation from the president of the Mormon church. You see, Mormonism isn't doing super well in the media right now. They just excommunicated that dude who was uh, protesting their weird obsession with asking little boys how often they touch themselves. They're getting called out for mishandling sexual abuse allegations. They just reprimanded a woman for breastfeeding during a service. Basically, it's a bad time for Mormons to be aware of the news cycle. So what does the president do? He goes out over the weekend and calls for all Mormon women to take a 10-day fast from social media. That's right, just the women. Wouldn't want them uh, expressing their opinions and absorbing knowledge in the run-up to the midterms, after all. But to be fair, not all religious leaders are trying to silence women. For example, Christian author Dr. Don Boyce wants to hear more from women, specifically the ones actively being raped. This professional homophobe decided to chime in during the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings to explain that even if things happen exactly as Dr. Ford described them, it wouldn't have been raped since she never screamed. He explained, quote, rape is having sex with a woman while she screams for help. No scream, no rape, according to Deuteronomy 22, 23 and 24, end quote. And by the way, he goes on to acknowledge that she didn't scream because he was holding his hand over her mouth, but apparently that's a divine loophole he's willing to accept. So quick, before Dr. Boys realizes that by his definition, it wouldn't be rape if I forced a tire iron up his asshole in his sleep, I'll hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in killer be kilt news tonight, Scotland is better than America. The mountains are nice and low, so you can climb them in an afternoon. 
Every inch of the place is dripping with history. You can't understand what anybody's saying, so you don't have to talk to people. Also, haggis <laughs> is pretty good. Is I, it? I mean, not, no, it's, it's it's but it's non-gross. Really? Noah, no illusions. You are a culinary mystery wrapped in an enigma, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> <laughs> ain't, ain't no getting a beat on this guy. That's exactly what they haggis. had to say. The recipe for haggis was to get me to eat it. <laughs> it's um, a cold but, pocket. Oh, but, <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> but even better than all that, Scotland isn't a den of religious bigotry slowly devolving into the prequels to The Handmaid's Tale. And as if to rub that in, <laughs> about the same time my wife and I were visiting their lovely quasi-country, the Scottish government was unveiling a new anti-bigotry campaign that encourages the citizenry to call out public displays of homophobia and racism up to and including calling the police. Okay, And that's a campaign that it's hard to disagree with unless, apparently... You're a Scottish Christian. <laughs> Just a bunch of Scottish Nazis lighting up a cross. Be cure, be cure, Chuckter. Don't, don't tell Doc. <laughs> Iron brew. <laughs> nice to know as long as Christians consider anti-hate policies a personal attack, we'll have a job. Yeah, right. <laughs> Security and also, yeah, Scottish Christians are apparently up in arms about a stop being the worst kind of humans campaign because they feel that it's directed at them. And it is. Because they're the fucking bad guys to a cartoonish degree. So much so that they can feasibly get pissed off about a sign on a bus that reads, quote, Dear homophobes, if you torment people because of who they love, shout words that we are not going to write, I'll write them, or use violence because you don't like who someone is holding hands with, you should be worried. If we see or hear abuse, we're calling the police. That's because love lives in this country, not hate. Yours, Scotland, end quote. And some guy read that and was like, I should publicly point out, I think this message applies to me. Yes. <laughs> yes. They, they might as well have written homophobe says what on some poster. <laughs> what? It's funny. That's actually what Siri says when any Scottish person asks her anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So despite Scotland's diplomatic decision to not specifically add P.S. We know you're all Christian because that's the only place for homophobes to hide anymore. A Scottish Christian group called the Barnabas Fund made it clear that they were the subject of that valediction by saying that the campaign unfairly targets believers because, you know, they're unfairly bigots or at least <laughs> overwhelmingly more likely to be bigots. And when they're forced to reckon with that by hearing themselves described every time someone ventures to define bigot. They respond by pressuring people to stop defining bigots so much. <laughs> and finally tonight, we have a new development in our ongoing coverage of Gwyneth K. Paltrow and her website, Goop, G-O-O-P, which stands for Gwyneth K. Paltrow. It does, <laughs> uh, just in case anyone's new to this, Goop is where the G-Unit sells her brand of luxury nonsense items. Uh, it's basically the Louis Vuitton of pseudoscience, um, except the $5,000 bag you buy may or may not actually function as a container of physical objects. Yeah, it's, um, right. It's like the Louis Vuitton of auras um, right next to a Costco that sells a pallet of auras for 99 cents <laughs> right next to a guy handing out free auras. Well, yeah. um, just in case it wasn't obvious already, we got an official number last week on just how much lying they're doing over at Goop. According to a recent fact-checking review of their website and their product line, about 90% of their wellness products 
have no data to support their alleged wellness benefits. Okay, okay, but to be fair to Goop, bullshit is industry standard for selling things to women, right? So like- No, that's true. You know, what we admire about Goop is that they go above and beyond. So uh, the fact-checking was done by Jen Gunter, a doctor of real medicine, which is apparently a title that needs to exist and be said sometimes. And according to Gunter, quote, 90% of products sold on goop.com under the guise of wellness cannot be backed by science. Many flout common sense, never mind biological principles. The bulk of their products are useless, but some could be harmful, end quote. So just to be clear, as you leave the store, you're hoping for nothing. (laughs) You're hoping for, you just spent like 15 grand on a golden dildo seriously, Gwyneth Paltrow literally (laughs) endorsed that. She did. And your best case scenario is a dick-shaped piece of gold that does not poison your liver with green tea extract or (laughs) shoot you in the labia with a steam laser. That's best case scenario. Yep. Right. That's right. Okay, wait. So 10% is good. Most of the rest is useless, except the stuff that's actively harmful. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's great that we have some responsible science people checking up on giant scam operations. Good work by Dr. Gunter. Not only does it provide important consumer protection, but in this case, it led to my favorite part of the story. Following Dr. Gunter's fact check, Gwyneth appeared on a BBC morning show to talk about Goop and their 10th anniversary as a business. And during the interview, she makes a series of non-answers that made Sarah Huckabee Sanders take away Gwyneth's cheese plate. It was (laughs) over the top. That's when she added, quote, a lot of time we'll find that a third party product that we sell, people make claims about products. <laughs> yes. End quote. What? Exact Gwyneth, words. Gwyneth, did you just speak in ellipses? Did you just <laughs> did you incomplete your own words out of your own face? Is that That's what happened? Pretty much what happened. Yep. So that was just meaningless nonsense. But she really amped it up for the next part. After strongly denying that her website promotes pseudoscience, she was asked, "Uh, okay, but didn't you just pay $145,000 like a few weeks ago to settle a consumer protection lawsuit regarding false claims about pseudoscientific health benefits? And here's the response she gave. Quote, one of the products we sell, some of the regulators in California said, you can't say that it does that. And so we never had any customer complaints about it at all. But we chose, we didn't say, we didn't have to admit that we, you know, any wrongdoing, end quote. Uh, <laughs> just wraps the towel around her head. And you can't see me. So. <laughs> yeah, she might out. as well have ended it with, are you an alcoholic? I like beer. Smoke bomb. And just died out of the room. <laughs> And with visions of Chief Justice Paltrow echoing through our heads, we'll close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. And when we come back, Lee Strobel will get a long overdue visit from expletives. (laughs) That's goop phonetically. Yep. Why did we let Eli convince us to meet him in a vegan restaurant? Uh, yeah, the waitress told me they don't allow shoes in here because shoes kill bugs. Right? Hey, guys, sorry I'm late. Uh, yeah. Eli? What, 
What are you wearing? Yeah, what do you got going oh, there? Uh, this, it's a hairpiece. Uh, just, you know, felt like a change. Um, uh-huh, right. So people. you felt like a change, so you you bought a toupee? Okay, one, it is not a toupee. Oh. It is a hairpiece. Said that already. It is made of 100% elk. I can which smell is, that. Yeah. I Pungent. am told that fades. And two, two, 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. So, you know, what else was I going to do? I, I mean, you could have tried 4 What's 4 It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Uh, I don't know, guys. Online supplements? Isn't that usually horse semen? Uh, nope. No. Uh, not not usually horse semen. But uh, Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. So not horse semen. Not horse semen. No. Um, they sell well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. These are prescription solutions backed by science. Wow. So no embarrassing doctor's visits? Yeah. I would hate for you to be... Embarrassed guy who just right. loudly asked about horse semen in a toupee twice in a row. So, how do I try it? Well, our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 right now while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So go to forhymns.com slash scathing. That's right. That's F O R H I M S dot com slash scathing. Forhymns.com slash scathing, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I'm starving. You guys have got to try the tofu sausage here. No. Uh, so th- they just made tofu cubes into a dick shape? Is that what happened? Yes, yes they did. Okay. Well, then no. Well, mm-hmm. maybe. Ah. Uh, yes. Horse semen. <laughs> <laughs> You know, nobody really looks on the bright side of dystopian fiction. Everybody wrings their hands about 1984, but nobody talks about the relative lack of obesity-related diseases. And who hasn't wanted to shoot Josh Hutcherson in the face with an arrow now and again? And sure, (laughs) there would be some downsides to Fahrenheit 451, but they'd be more than worth it if it meant no one ever had to read Case for Christ again. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a Christian book bonfire. It's a Christian book bonfire. Yeah. Ah, yeah. It feels way worse to toast marshmallows over trees that don't have hate speech written on them, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we've made it all the way to the double digit chapters and joining us to celebrate that milestone is my lovely wife, Lucinda. Lucinda, welcome back. Yeah. Celebrating is what we're doing. Yeah. This yep. is party. Well, okay. At the end of this bit, yeah. So let's dive in. Uh, this is, we're going into chapter 10, the fingerprint evidence. Did Jesus and Jesus alone match the identity of the Messiah? <laughs> so we start off meeting the Hiller family, who you already know is going to get murdered, raped, or murder raped. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps doing this too. It's just like, okay, so fingerprints, that's, that's another tricky word. So imagine you walk in on a typical murder rape. No, no. Stop talking. Stop talking. Also, who the fuck wrote your dictionary? What are you doing? Uh, murder rapist. Why? <laughs> Fun fact. Uh, most of our dictionaries were written by a murder rapist. Look it up. Google. Nope. Never Google. Never Google what Eli says to Google. Right. So the key is that the Old Testament's ability to predict what would later be written in the New Testament is like a fingerprint of Jesus. 
that's what he's going for. And he has to murder a husband and a college co-ed to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And thus we meet Louis S. Lapidus. Lap- Lapidus. Yeah. Okay, Lapidus, we're going to say. Lapidois. Um, nope. He's a, no, he's a pastor um, <laughs> that Lee met with after Sunday services. So at this point, we're just walking into churches going, if you believe in Jesus hard enough, I'm going to put you in a book. <laughs> and, and he's a Jew for Jesus, y'all. Yes, he oh. is. And Lee is so excited that he knows a Jew. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> His description might as well be, and I felt, no horns. I think they fall off when you believe in Jesus. Not sure. Didn't ask. <laughs> kind of awkward. And as you've no doubt guessed, when it comes time to describe Lep- Lepides or whatever, he basically says, Jewy looking. I, I, he sure does. I'm surprised he didn't include shifty in his list of adjectives. Yeah. <laughs> the entire paragraph, it's basically like, you know, he looks like, uh, you know, I mean, come on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. You know. He looks like, he looks like he's really funny. He's funny. <laughs> like, he's, like he's from New York City. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Lee goes, as a Jew, did you hate Christians so much? And of course, <laughs> Lapidus answers back, I did hate them so much. It probably explains why we Jews could miss a Messiah staring us right in the face for these last 2000 years because of the hate, the Jew hate. By the way, do you guys have a bigger desk I can use? Lindsey Graham? Do you have a bigger desk? You, you want to yell at a Jewish kid while I get a bigger desk? Great. There, there's this amazing moment where Lapapop says he <laughs> says the first time he read the New Testament, he thought he was going to be reading a handbook of anti-Semitism. And yes. I was like, seriously, dude, that's the Quran. Get it right. <laughs> so he lost his Jewishness when his parents got divorced. Uh, it's at times like that you see that you need a personal relationship with God that you just can't get by Jewing. I wanted Lee to be like, okay, but what about when Christian parents get divorced? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's here that in passing, he basically admits he was just sick of getting ostracized by Christians. So he stopped being Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck was that? He's like, yeah, I was in the army and some guys from the South burned a cross one night. So, you know, being a Jewish like I was, I was smart about it and stopped being Jewish. <laughs> right. That, that burning cross saved my life. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you, you're done? That's the end of your anything? Really hoping you were to clarify the burning cross thing. No? Cool. Okay. No, just we're moving on. We're yeah. moving on. Yeah. Saved your life. It was a positive burning cross story. Yeah, right. Okay, but suffice to say, he tried on all the religions, even Satanism, and Christianity was the one that wasn't too soft or too hot or too hard or too cold. It was the best religion of all of them, the one that would coincidentally confer upon him the greatest immediate social benefit. Huh. Who'd have thought? And by the way, I just love this little montage of I tried all the religions bullshit here that he does in the book. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, really? All of them? Okay, name one thing about Buddhism. Anything about Buddhism. Go ahead. Hats. Hats? You said hats? Okay. Yeah. Moving on. But eventually, Lapidus realizes that he's just been running from Jesus, the obviously one true son of God the entire time. Yeah, okay. And and so then we get to hear from a crazy street preacher who chained himself to a cross in protest of bars existing. Mm -hmm. 
right? A, a drug-addled, aging hippie come pastor in Southern California is telling us about finding truth from a raging lunatic voluntarily locking himself to a torture device. This is the case for Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and some Christian happened by and whipped the shit out of all of his Hinduism, so he had to believe in Jesus. Yeah, and, well, and the way they proved Jesus was real was by pointing out that Lapidus couldn't auto-generate rocks. Yes, they, that is it. He told the Christian people that God is everywhere. You know, we're all gods. And somebody was like, okay, uh, make a rock appear then. And Lapidus was like, boom, rock in my hand right here. I'm on LSD. <laughs> and he got laughed at because God can create a real rock. And sadly, Lapidus didn't realize that he actually created a rock that he couldn't lift. And that would have oh. helped his argument if he was paying attention. I mean, to be fair, if your God make a rock isn't nearly as dumb as the arguments in this book. Right. I mean, the person didn't say, if your God show me a piece of 500 year old toilet paper that says you can make a rock. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, paper, as you know, but you know what? Never mind. Um, so the moral of this chapter, by the way, is that when you're out bothering people with your Jesus pamphlets, don't push out every time one of them claims to be Jewish. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then he finally gets to the fucking point of the fucking chapter and starts talking about all the prophecies that were retrofitted onto Jesus by people trying to sell the Jews a used Messiah. Yeah. And okay. So he quotes at length from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 9 and 12. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like he could have used a contiguous quote, but no. <laughs> Bible via Gwyneth Paltrow. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, except, it, but if you in, include verse 10, where God promises to see to it that the Messiah will bear many children and that his generations will rule in Israel, the point really falls apart fucking huh. quick. I'm sorry. I just love that he leaves out the verses that <laughs> don't work. Right. Like, oh, yeah, he's going to be a tall, I mean, guy with sure hair, with hair, <laughs> and none of this, none of this, none of this. You get it. It's, it's a fingerprint. <laughs> yeah. The metaphor I'm going for here is... Except for these two swirls. <laughs> Well, and now we get a heading that really feels like Strobel's going to do a variation on Chris Rock's difference between N-words and black people bit. The Jewishness yeah. of Jesus. Yes. <laughs> Jews ain't control the media. Kikes control the media. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on and on pointing out stuff that was retrofitted onto Jesus without ever realizing that, like, these people in the future must have known what was written in the past isn't a convincing argument. Right. Yeah, he finally decides to read the New Testament and he's like, wow, son of Abraham, son of David. It's all fitting together. It's like a, a futury book, but backwards. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's the reverse prophecy, just time dimension? We don't even have a word for that, do we? They just like say what happened. It was beautiful. <laughs> just almost exact words. Yeah. yeah. He also says he couldn't put it down and truly there is no greater sign of bullshit than when someone says they can't put a holy book yes. down. Exactly. Case for Christ is the hop on pop of religious books we've read, and I put it down <laughs> 876 <laughs> times before I finish this chapter. <laughs> exactly. right. yeah. All right. So then one weekend, Lapidus and his buddies decide to spend a few days in the Mojave Desert. No reason. Just a bunch of dudes soberly hanging out in the desert together in the late 60s in California. <laughs> Just hanging with PJ and Squee again, you know, boofing it up, fist boofing, regular boofing, 
Belching up the boof with a straw. <laughs> Typical <laughs> like guy stuff. Guy stuff. Not gay. The You're gay. coyness of this book about drugs is nuts. Like, his being a drug addict is your story, isn't it? Right. Like, even their goddamn rock bottoms are boring as fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and this is where he has to wrestle with the disturbing implication that Jews are probably tools of Satan. I'm just reporting here, not editorializing. Right. Attorney. Well, yeah, if anything, you were editorializing to make him sound like less of a Nazi. <laughs> he was saying Jewish people are choosing to be tools of Satan. That's yeah. The, the, he's saying you're either on God's side or you're still Jewish. Like, <laughs> Jew or Jew not. There is no try. That's what he's saying. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, he asked God to reveal himself. Um, he has an indescribable spiritual experience while in the desert with his buddies in the late 60s. Ergo, Christianity is the right religion. <laughs> Again, the case for Christ. 180 pages in before he's entering a hippie fever dream into the evidence. But the best part is when he's like, and at first my friends were really happy because I wasn't a drug addict anymore. But but then they were like, hey, man, could you maybe go back to meth? You're super. Yes. <laughs> and, and then Lee finally gets around to interviewing him right at the very end of this chapter. His opening question is. So what the hell is wrong with all those incomplete Jews? <laughs> His answer seems to be some are too lazy, others just evil. Yeah, right. No, but but he does add afraid of their mother. Too. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I and get it. My it? favorite answer, he says, Jewish people are known for being smart, but uh, nope, they're not. <laughs> they are not. And, and again, with all of these, he's just so close to the truth again. He has this moment where he's like, yeah, I mean, you sit in these religious institutions being told to ignore all the people who tell you your beliefs are bullshit. I mean, they even send in professionals to like, make you more confident. They write books about never mind. I, <laughs> you were talking. You were talking. All right. So Lee tosses a couple challenges to him, starting with one, the coincidence argument, which he summarizes as what if Jesus and all the prophecies were just one big coinky dink? Mm -hmm. But Lapidus assures us that that's laughable because someone did the math. <laughs> and, and the odds that Jesus would just coincidentally fulfill even eight of the prophecies is one chance in 100 million billion. You see, math not included. Yes, right. Okay. <laughs> this is the greatest. I looked up the math he's talking about and it's priceless. It's, this is real. It's from a book called Science Speaks that we definitely need to review. <laughs> this Christian math professor had a room full of students, and he just named eight prophecies from the Bible and had them shout out odds for each one. So what? he was like, all right, everybody, um, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. That's one of the prophecies about Jesus. Go. <laughs> and everyone just shouted numbers. And he was like, okay, I heard uh, somebody said one in a hundred. Great, great. And then he did the other seven prophecies on his list. And then he just multiplied all those numbers. Together. What? Science. I get it. Also, I'm sorry, one in a hundred? Like, did this guy picture 99 other animals lined up outside the city? And then he moves on to two, the altered gospel argument, which finally broaches the, but what if they were just making shit up and had already read those books topic? Yeah. And, and that one is dismissed by pointing out that the people who knew Jesus well would have had the power to stop rumors from happening. I mean, think about that. Like, when's the last time a rumor started about a person? 
Can you think of any <laughs> historical precedent? <laughs> Give me a fucking break. P-tapes. <clears throat> um, he also explains how Jewish people are tattletales and constantly being dicks about every little yes. detail. That was what he mentioned here. And they send emails about how bourbon has to be from Kentucky without doing a very casual Google search to realize you're wrong about that. <laughs> right. But that kind of counters his original argument, doesn't it? Like, oh, trust me, if Jesus wasn't the Messiah, the Jews would know about it and ignore him. Never mind. God. <laughs> yeah, but doing every that. time I talk long enough, you go. Finish your go. thought. No, go ahead. No, no thoughts. Well, I feel like you had a thing. No, you want to rank him? Done thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get three, the intentional fulfillment argument where we ask whether Jesus was intentionally born in Bethlehem to the line of David. <laughs> yes, and we spend as much time on that one as we did dismissing the last one. <sighs> <laughs> I love the idea of Jesus trying to rig it so he gets killed just like in the prophecies. <laughs> you know, like Roman guys are about to nail through his elbow and he's like, hey, hey. So, no, that's great. That's great. But I was thinking, what if we go through the palms, right? The palms, like... Fresh new thing, right? <laughs> Your boss is going to be like, what? Palms? such creative. He's interesting. Waving his side at the Roman guard. Ooh, I hope nobody stabs me. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> then finally, we get four, the context argument, where he forestalls the you're reading those passages out of context argument by yelling, he can't hear you before you start talking. Yeah, right. But <laughs> but Lapidus assures him he's not reading any of them out of context, not even the mistranslated ones. Nope. <laughs> oh. And again, he's so close. He li he literally says, "Look, don't take my word for it. Don't take your rabbi's word for it. Research it yourself." And then you can hear him pause and be like, "And and <laughs> yes. ask God with an open heart if Christ is the Messiah." Right. After the research. <laughs> and then he lists a bunch of Jews who eventually knew better. Like, yes. a, if they can do it, so can you part. Yeah. <laughs> you might as well be showing before and after pictures with, like, testimonials. <laughs> it's like, with Jew away, I lost my hooves in only six weeks. Thanks, Jew away. <laughs> right. And the thing all of these stories have in common is, quote, I looked as hard as I could in the Chamber of Secrets for no sign of Harry Potter, but damn it, he's the boy who lived. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. And as if that wasn't enough suffering, he then asks us to do his job again with a bunch of deliberation questions, starting with question one. Even if you're not Jewish. And you are not Jewish. No, let's no. be honest here. <laughs> is there an aspect of Lapidus' spiritual journey that is similar to your own? Were there any lessons you learned from Lapidus about how you should proceed? Uh, I also stopped being a Jew for a living. Well, there you yeah. go. <laughs> well done. I mean, I've eaten peyote in the desert, I yeah, guess. I see. Uh, well, I'm thinking he did it backwards. So I'd start with being a Christian sellout and then do a bunch of drugs. You get Ooh. way more drugs that way. It's oh, that makes sense. You want the sure, money yeah. and then the khakis and then the drugs. <laughs> I mean, the stick figure who fell on the wet floor provides lessons. So <laughs> in that way, I'm going to say yes to the second part. Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. Question two. Lapidus considered his Jewish heritage and unbiblical lifestyle impediments to becoming a follower of Jesus. Is there anything in your life that would make it difficult to become a Christian? Do you see any costs that you might incur if you became a Christian? 
How might this compare with the benefits? Let's what? see. Um, do I, as a woman, see any cost that I might incur if I became a Christian? <laughs> Fuck Lee Strobel. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the costs are pretty big. I'm getting constantly persecuted by Starbucks Jew cups at that point. <laughs> saying happy holidays. That sounds awful. But the benefits, uh, you got sincerely held crime spree. That's a tough call. Like yeah, I right. have, yeah. if I had to come up with my idea first, but yeah, the cost of being a Christian. I think that's about $40,000 a month more on Patreon. So <laughs> yes. I'm in pronouns are linguistic slavery. Clean your room. I, don't, <laughs> the, I think I missed the question. Oh. All right. We'll move on to the next one. Then question three, Lapidus thought Christians were anti-Semitic. In a recent word association exercise at an East Coast university, just <laughs> on East Coast University, <laughs> one of them, one not of the say ones, which, traded the on the East Coast. Yeah, it's the East Coast. <laughs> maybe you've heard of it. Um, the word most often associated with Christians was intolerant. <laughs> do you have a negative perception of Christians? What do they stem from? How might this influence your receptivity to the evidence of Jesus? Interesting question. Okay, well, I actually studied at ECU, and uh, my funny New York-looking professors gave me plenty of anti-Christian propaganda, so there you go. Uh, especially the clockwork orange rig with uh, Christian movies on a loop. Yeah, that that especially effective. that'll do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I have negative perceptions of Christians. They stem from... Christians. And they do influence my receptivity and that I'd tell a Bigfoot believer to go fuck off way nicer than I'd tell you to, Lee. <laughs> Weird that your takeaway from that study was they must have gotten that idea from the Jews, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, look, let's be fair. This show has turned all of our Christian word association into a real downer. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> it all up. All right. Well, the good news is that Jesus is most of the way booked at this point, so we can't go on much longer. The bad news is that it can go on. So we're going to dig back into this thing in a couple of weeks. But between now and then, read something that isn't horrible, guys. Like Got anything. <laughs> Work on that. <laughs> it's well written. Right. Yeah. Russian. Before we slide off the map tonight, I wanted to thank everybody who came out to see us in the UK one more time. Also, I want to thank Michael Marshall, Andy Wilson, and all the organizers and volunteers at QED for making us feel so welcome that far from home. Cannot wait to see you all again. Anyway, that's all the blast movie we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, and an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, I'd have to employ a term like sub-episode or quasi-show if I neglect to thank Heath Enright for keeping Eli too busy to you know cause international incidents while we were away. I also want to thank Eli Bosnick for keeping his licking to a minimum on this trip. I want to thank the lovely Lucinda Lusions for keeping me sane through several airport security checkpoints. I also want to thank Jody for providing this week's Farnsworth quote and for making our ancestry sound way sexier than I've ever been envisioning up until now. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's most amiable atheists, and I've been saving them up for a couple of weeks, so deep breath. Scott, Matthew, Stephen, AJ, Guise, Jude, Chris, Derek, Daniel, Ryan, Jeffrey, Zero Sum Game, Hayden, Zane, Brian, Bob, Kelsey, Miles, Sarah, Matt, Vigo, Tall, Taylor, Uncle Chip, Michael, Jessica, Stormy, Decisis, Holly, Richard, Slars, Will, Mary, James, and Kutzen Elaine, whose genitals are so exemplary that the sheer volume of adjectives it would require to sufficiently compliment them all in the same episode might cause a vocal singularity and end the show early. 
Together, these 35 thrilling theist whackers threw thorough thanks through our theories of thwarting the threats of theocracy this week by giving us money. And if you'd like to join their ranks, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash atheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode. Or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robertson handles our social media, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.